You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. This morning, I'm going to minister to you on the topic of how to keep your fire burning. How many know that many times you come to the Lord and He gives you a fresh fire, but over time, oftentimes, we lose our fire. It's not that we don't not go into heaven. It's not that, you know, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's just that we lose our fire that we once had or that passion that came from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and a lot of times that happens because we uh, operate in disappropriate behavior. But sometimes it happens not because of that, simply because you stop doing some of the things that you did when you first met Jesus that kept you ablaze. Can you say amen? So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to go verse by verse, because I'm going to be teaching you one of the churches in the book of Revelation. And so if you would, look up at the screen. This is Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And I want you to realize this is the church at Ephesus. It is an extraordinary church. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to this church. Paul himself pastored this church, and it seated 25,000 people. And uh, also, after Paul was on his missionary journey, uh, he turned the church over to the Apostle John. But he was on the island of Patmos right now when God gives him this vision because uh, they tried to kill him, they tried to boil him in oil, they couldn't kill him, so they just isolated him. And he had this vision of the seven churches and that's what we're sharing here. But what I want you to see is a powerful church. Uh, they saw such signs and wonders. In fact, this church was so powerful that within a two-year period of time, all of Asia was evangelized. That's without television, without radio, word of mouth. And the scriptures tell us, or at least some, some writings outside of scripture tell us, that Paul rented uh, a school, Tyrannus, uh, five hours a day during siesta time. Most people are taking naps because of the heat, but they came, and he had services five hours a day, seven days a week, and they literally evangelized Asia. So when we use this church, understand something, they had all the reason in the world to be proud of what God had done through them. Amen? But yet, Jesus still found something wrong with them. So look up at the text here and look what it says. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, say angel. angel. It's the Greek word angelos, it means messenger. And I personally do not believe it's referring to an angelic angel. And let me give you the reasons for it. If you read in the first chapter, it talks about Jesus in the midst with the stars, he says the seven stars, and the lampstands. So the stars represent the angels or the messengers. Amen. Now, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, tells us that stars are in reference to people who win people to Jesus. It says in that text, it says that those who are wise will shine like the, the expanse of the sky. And it says those who lead many to righteousness will be as the stars forever and ever. So based on that... And by the fact that an angel, how can an angel become lukewarm? How can an angel backslide? How can an angel do that? I have a problem with that. 
So I believe he's addressing the pastor of the church, which is very possible is Timothy at this time. He's addressing him. So he says this, to the angel of the message of the church at Ephesus, right? These things says he who holds the seven stars, remember we just mentioned that, in his right hand when he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The lampstands represent the churches that are anointed. Amen? He goes on. I know your works, your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you are tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, I want to say, before I read the next verse, I want to say this. This is a church, even though they have a flaw that we're going to talk about, they were not quitters. They kept preaching the truth in spite of the culture. They kept preaching the truth in spite of the wokeness that was in their culture, just like it is in ours. Amen? And so they resisted this New Age perspective that tried to come into the church and alter the church, but they weren't winning in the way that they won in the beginning. So notice what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Say left your first love. Now, obviously, this is something really powerful because... Jesus is saying, okay, listen, guys, you've done really good here, but this is something that you've done. You've left your first love. Now, let me explain to you what first love is, and I'll explain it in, in relationship with a couple that falls in love with each other and gets married. When a man meets a girl that he really likes, and they get in that dating process, what is his purpose? He's trying to win her over. He's trying to please her. So he goes ahead. He cleans out his car, vacuums it out, gets all looking good, puts on some new clothes and asks his mother if he looks good, combs his hair, gets in and goes over uh, because he wants to please her. And she doesn't just come outside the bathroom, ragtag, that's it. She spent hours trying to get her hair fixed, Trying to put on work, work no, I didn't say it, makeup. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> Spent all that time getting ready for him. And she comes out, and through the whole night, it's all about him pleasing her. They go to the restaurant, he gets out of the car, walks around the car, opens the door for her. They go in the restaurant, pulls the chair out, she sits down, scoots it under it. Can you say amen? And during the, during the night, he's telling her the things that he does and whatever. And she tells him, oh, that's so great. Man, I'm so proud of you. You really did that. It really wasn't that big a deal, but she's trying to win him over. It is the process of pleasing the one that you love. When you leave your first love, it's the process of backing away and no longer living a life in a way where you're pleasing the Lord. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven, but you just stopped doing the things that you did in the beginning when you met the Lord. You remember what it was like when you gave your life to Christ? You were so excited about coming to church, you didn't come in late, you came in early. And you left late. 
And he didn't try to sit in the back. He always tried to sit up in front. And when someone needed a volunteer, you were quick to run, run into it. Why? It was new. It was fresh. And you were on fire for God. And you, and you wanted as much. And the pastor says, man, we're going to be teaching on this Wednesday night. You showed up. We're going to have a special concert night. You showed up. And there was that passion. But sometimes over time, we lose that passion. And we put in what we consider the, the, the minimum that we feel like we're a Christian at. And we lose the freshness, that first love that God gives you. And I know when I went to church, I came out of a Catholic church. And a lot of people in the Catholic church, they're not saved, just like I wasn't. But I went religiously there because my parents made me go. Now, when I got saved at 25 years old, I went into a church, and everybody was raising their hands. And I thought, I've never met people like this that are not ashamed to worship God. And it really blew my mind. And, and then I remember hearing my first message about praise and worship. And the, the pastor take me to the Bible and, and showed me how they raised their hands and clapped their hands and, and danced to the Lord. And, and I started really, Wow. This is so cool. I don't have to just come to church with a bump in the log. I can participate. And as I offer up a sacrifice of praise, I may be tired, but if I do it, God's presence will manifest in my life. And I remember being so excited about that. Shouting to the Lord, running around the church, being excited, praising God. It was just like a new adventure for me. It takes years and years of religion to kill that. I tell you what, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be some conservative service. And I, come on, I remember I was at a pastor's, a big pastor's convention. There was like 2,000 people there. And they were worshiping, and not one person raised their hand. I said, what kind of group am I with in the first place? I threw my hands up, and they looked at me. Yeah, that's right, praise God. I'm going to worship God with all my heart, with all my being. But see, it's not emotionalism, this first love. It's when you come to Christ and you're so excited about learning ways to please your master, your Lord. And it might be, be getting up in the morning while you're having a cup of coffee, going through your devotions. It may be confessing the word of God when you're on the way to work. But it's just those little things that you witness to someone at least once a week. And things that you did that you know were pleasing to the Lord. Church, the prophecy here is from Jesus. Not John, not Timothy, not even Paul. It's from Jesus himself. 30 years after this great revival, he speaks to these people. Because God knows what will bring you to the next level and he knows what will keep you back. We have to be a Christian person who will keep our first love for God. And let me give you a verse that explains it all. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he must believe that he is God and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I remember when I got saved, the first thing I did is, how can I believe God for the miraculous? I remember the first time I believed in faith for divine healing and was healed physically. 
I remember the first time I believed for a financial breakthrough and God came through with a financial breakthrough. I remember those moments and what happens is we stop believing. We stop believing that what we say creates our future. We stop believing in the word that we've learned and we just do enough to get by and put a bumper sticker on our car and we call ourselves Christians. God wants you to have that fresh love. And I'll tell you, if you got that fresh love with God, you'll have that fresh love with your wife. You'll have that fresh love with your kids. You'll have that fresh love with everyone. Amen. That's the way it works when you do that personally. Now, I want you to look at the text again. Let's go through it. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Watch this. Repent and do the first works, or else I come quickly and remove your lamb's stamp from his place unless you repent. Now, this is important you see this. The word repent is followed by deeds of repentance. There is no such thing as repentance that doesn't have deeds. If a person truly changes the way they think, they change the way they act. People that say all you do is change the way you think, you don't have to change your behavior, is wrong. The reality is an apple tree isn't really an apple tree unless it's producing apples. You're not really a Christian unless you're producing change. Can you say amen, everybody? Yeah. Now, he says, I want you to remember from whence you have fallen. Now, think about it. You, you, you he wants them to go back and say, okay, I want you to look at the place that you were before the distractions in the world came in, before you begin to limit your faith, before you stop believing God the way you were believing God before. I want you to remember that place that you fell from. Now, for me, this is many places. When I first came to the Lord, I... I, uh, the Lord, I was radically saved. It was wonderful. But then years later, I was in a Holy Spirit conference, and God ministered to me, and I had another fresh love experience that altered. It was bigger than the first one, believe it or not. And so the question is this. Are you as fresh? Is your fire still burning? Or is your coal starting to go out or the dimmer? Are you as zealous as you were when you first met Jesus? Or are you just kind of fit him in, into your schedule? In order for the church to excel in the miraculous, excel in evangelism, there has to be that fire that comes from the Holy Spirit. And when I say the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about a tangible anointing from God's Spirit that you can physically feel. The presence of God is needed for the miraculous. It's needed for salvation. It's needed for breakthrough. And you can't afford to live without it. Well, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to worship God. I just want to find a church I can go in and out, water down word. You will not get delivered in a place like that. You've got to be in a place that preaches the word of God, that loves the presence of God, that doesn't matter if it fits in with your schedule or not. It's God's presence. We're going to hear God. We're going to sense God. We're going to offer a praise. We're going to worship Him with all of our heart. We're going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. You got to have that 
to make it work in your life. And can I be honest with some of you? Hosea 4, 4, 6 says, My people are distorted for a lack of knowledge. Most Christians, it's not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of applying the knowledge that they already have. They get down on what they apply, and they wonder why their fires went out. They wonder why they don't cry anymore when someone gets saved. They wonder why they, they don't have that passion of believing for the supernatural in their life. It's because they've allowed the flames to get less. And I'm going to show you how to build that flame up so that it goes high in your life. Can you say, say amen, everybody? This is powerful. So in this verse, look in the next verse here, what it says. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Notice a very important truth here. It says that Jesus hated the deeds, not the person. Jesus does not hate people. He hates the deeds that destroy a person. And, they, and if you want to know what that particular doctrine is, it's basically what you see in the American church today where people call themselves preachers and are homosexuals. Uh, they, they believe you can live a worldly life. It doesn't make any difference and still believe in Jesus and go to heaven. A lot of Hollywood people do that. It's all bunk. If you come to Christ, you better live right. Amen? I said you got to live right. I said you got to live right. Hallelujah. And so they fought against that with all their heart and with all their mind. And so he commends them on there. Now let me give you something here that's really going to help. Look in the seventh verse here. Look what it says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I like this. This is powerful. Here's the reward if you overcome. Let me give you some verses about the tree of life. Proverbs 11:13 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. He who, he who is wise wins souls. Proverbs 13:12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Revelation, now this is really important. 22, verse 1 through 2, tells us that the tree of life in its leaves is healing for the nations. We want America to get restored. It's going to come from the tree of life. There's healing in the leaves of the tree of life. But you, you, you'll never experience this first love unless you decide today to get a proper view of God's love towards you. If you don't have a good view of God's love towards you, you think he's a mean guy up in heaven with a big mallet waiting for you to mess up? You will never operate in that first love because the first love is the response to his love towards you. That's what it is. In other words, let me give you an example. In Genesis, it says that after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God drove them out of the garden. And then he put two cherubims, which are large angels, and it says there were swords, fiery swords that keep, kept people from coming in. Because if they came in and ate from it, they would be in that state they were in for eternity. In other words, God protected them. He wasn't mad at them. He was protecting them from being eternally 
separated from God. It was God's love that drove them out of the garden. It was God's love that put them in a position where they could not not be in a condition where their spiritual state could never, ever be changed. You know, one of the things I love about the love of God is it changes the way you are. Religion says this, this is required of you, this is required of you, this is required of you. That's religion. But we love him because he first loved us. When you get a revelation of that, you don't want to sin. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to not be committed. You don't want to sell out or or you don't want to sell out for God. You, You want to serve him. You want to love him with all your heart. And, and that has always blown my mind over the years. That God would reach down from heaven and save me. Me. Who wasn't seeking him. Who didn't want to believe in him. That didn't desire him. That wasn't looking for him. And God sovereignly out of his power came down and opened my eyes and revealed to me his son had died for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. God loved you when you were a sinner. Before you ever did anything good in your life, he loved you. When you were out barn at all night, he was loving you. When you were out doing ungodly things, he still loved you. When you were taking drugs, he was still loving you. When you were not putting your foot in church at all, he still loves you. He doesn't love us because of what we do. He loves us because of who he is. He is a God of love. And when you get this revelation, it changes. That's why John said in 1 John 5, 3, he said, this is the love of God. He said, the love of God, he said, the commandments are not burdensome to us. Why? Because of his love. It's a burden when it's required to do his will. But it is, it is a, it's easy when you want to. When you know God loved you, that God was there when you were down and out, and God was with you when you were suffering, and God was with you when you were rejecting him, and God was with you even when you're using his name in vain. God was with you. He loved you and was waiting for the message of the gospel to be preached to somebody that would tell you how much God loved you so that God could pull the blinders off your eyes and you could see him for what he is. It's awesome. If you want to get your first love back, you need to understand that God loves you. I said he loves you. I thank the Lord it isn't up to me. It's up to his love that determines what's going to happen in your life. Everybody I know that runs from God are people that don't have perspective of God. If they really knew how much he loved them, they would turn to him. They're blinded. They think that they're saved because of the good things they do. You're not saved by the good things you do. You're saved by the one we believe in, Jesus Christ. It produces good things, but the good things are not the reason why you're saved. Think about it for a minute. When I came to the Lord, I cussed so bad that every other word was an F word. And I was so, I would, in the weekends, all I do is party all weekend. Smoke pot, get drunk, that's all you live for. 
Party on. That's all I did. Didn't want to have nothing to do with God at all. And God in that state opened my eyes to the gospel and loved me and gave me something to do that was better than drinking a beer. Can you say amen, everybody? When you know that, it, it brings a freshness in your faith that alters your life. And then it's not a, a burden. Think about the woman that was caught in adultery. I don't know if you ever thought about that story. The Bible said in John's gospel that Jesus did not con come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's a great example of it. They caught a woman in adultery. And I don't know why they didn't get the guy too, but it's just the woman. They brought him before Jesus. I mean, they got rocks in their hands. They're ready to stone this woman. And Jesus knelt down and starts to write something. Now, we don't know what he wrote, but I got, sus I got suspicions. I think he was writing down, because it said they went off one at a time. He was writing down sins of different people. I, he wrote down Jill, and the guy right there had an affair with Jill. He wrote down Jill. Then he wrote down Susan, another guy, walks away. Wrote down another sin, and they were just walking away and walking away and walking away until everybody that was going to stone him was gone. And Jesus said, is there anyone around here left to condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And you know what Jesus didn't say to her? He didn't say, I'll save you if you repent. He didn't do that. He said, I've removed the condemnation from your life, and I'm not going to condemn you either. I'm going to show you I love you. I came to free you from it. And then after she experienced getting free from the death penalty, because it was the death penalty during that time, he said, go now and sin no more. In other words, the love he showed her was the foundation of the repentance that she lived in. Come on, everybody. You ought to give God praise. Right there. That's, that's so good. Now, let me show you a verse. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. And this verse is about Timothy. And remember, Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus. I'm not sure if he's actually there at this time or not, but he's at least one of the pastors. And Paul says this to them in one of his letters. He said, I don't want you to forget your mother, Eunice, the sincerity of her faith. And then he makes this statement. He says, stir up the gift. Woo! Stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands. And then he said this, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I'm thinking to myself, here's Timothy handling his church of 20,000 people. And all of a sudden, Paul says, stir yourself up that gift. Don't be intimidated by what people would say. Don't be afraid of what other people might say. We, the church has got to wake up. We've got to quit being afraid of what other people say. Quit being afraid that you may offend somebody. We need to stand up for truth. And the truth is, there's only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. The truth is, holiness is part of the Christian life. The truth is, we're more than conquerors. The truth is, praise God, that one day Jesus is coming back for the church, and those who are born again are going to be caught up together and meet him in the air. 
the truth is there's a judgment common called the great white throne judgment and those who have not accepted the love of Christ at that judgment will not get in. I don't care how much money they gave. I don't care how many people they ministered to. They won't get in unless they're written in the Lamb's book of life. We got to say that truth and not hold it back. I want everybody to stand up right now. Man, I'll tell you what. Whoo, fresh, fresh, that fresh love, that anointing of the Spirit, that freshness, not leaving your first love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are you living every day of your life pleasing the Lord? Are you pleasing Him the way you did? After he saved you. And it might not be a big thing. It might just be a small thing. It may simply be having devotions in the morning. It may simply be saving a seed for someone you know that doesn't know Jesus in the church. It may simply mean waiting on God for his presence to manifest. We live in a world that is so evil. It's such a refreshing to me to be able to come to church and experience God's presence and experience the anointing of God that breaks every bondage and every yoke in your life. Are you taking time to do that? I asked the first service to do this. I want to ask you to do this. Am I telling you you are Luke or that you are a church that has left you first of all that's a personal decision but you're the one that knows if you did but remember you can come back all you got to do is do the things you did in the beginning I know as I ministered this the Holy Spirit is moving and many of you may maybe you haven't been in a church like this before and you don't know why we wait on the Lord you don't know why services as long as they are which really is not that long you don't understand it. But one thing you will understand is the presence of God right now. The Holy Spirit. Here in this service to awaken our hearts. Awaken our conscience to the little things that we've set aside. The little things we needed to do that we've stopped doing. The passion we once had for Jesus. And I know people lose their first love when they start asking these questions. Well, if I go to that extra service, then I need to miss another service. You left your first love. Because the first love is sacrifice. A willing sacrifice. I want to do this for you, Lord. I'm not chalking it up in my list of good things I do. I just want to do this for you. I want everybody to close your eyes right now. Lift your hands up to heaven. Holy Spirit, there's so many people from so many walks of life here today. Jesus, I know that even the preachers need to respond to this. Am I doing what I, as much as I could have before? Am I praying until I hear from heaven? And I know, Lord, it's 
It seems so simple, but yet we see people neglected. When you rekindle your first love, there's a passion inside of you that burns. You know, most of us are not used to living outside of our homes. But if you've ever built a fire, you realize a fire, you just don't throw a log down and throw gasoline on it. You get kindling, which is smaller branches that you light on fire, and then you, you blow on it. The flame starts burning more and more and more and more and more. The Spirit is blowing on that thing in your life that you did when you were first came to Christ. It's, the Spirit is blowing on you. That coal, and it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And what I'm doing is poking around in the fire. I'm poking that, that little thing, devotions. Oh, I can't remember the last time I did that. Oh, I can't remember the last time I really got into the worship service. I'm poking there. I'm poking there. I can't remember the last time that I, I started to confess what the Word says over my life. In the morning, I'm poking there. I'm poking it. I'm poking it. And the Holy Spirit is breathing on you. You've got to understand how important this is. Healing and deliverance is so easy when the anointing is strong. But it's so difficult when you don't feel anything but the pain. But it's so easy when God's presence is there. I want you to decide in your heart today that I'm going to respond to these little things the Holy Ghost is revealing to me. If the Holy Ghost was revealing something to you this morning, I want you to slip your hand and just wave it at me. I'm not going to have you come forward. Just wave it at me and say, the Holy Ghost is, is thank you for that hand. Come on. Just wave it. Wave it high. More, more, more. I want everybody waving hands because I know the Holy Spirit isn't leaving any of you out of this. Father, let your Spirit move now mightily. Help them, Lord, to break through that complacency into the breakthrough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.